What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're into influencer marketing. Do you hire influencers? Do you cast them in your partnerships? Are you an influencer yourself? You've got to check out Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short. We are a first-of-its-kind networking organization dedicated to those in the industry. Aside from our incredible membership with a ton of amazing benefits and resources, we also have a really fun podcast. So check out over two years' worth of content with interviews from the most incredible women in the industry who are change makers, powerhouse women who are shaping the industry as we know it. Tune in every Tuesday, wherever you download podcasts, just search WIM Radio, that's W-I-I-M, or head to our website at IamWIM.com slash podcast. That's IamWIM.com, women in influencer marketing. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Launching a business is one thing, but growing and scaling that business with a team that is diverse, inclusive, and women-led is another thing entirely. Taking a business to the next level not only requires a strong brand vision, but also a team of talented people whose skill sets complement your own. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Rachel Roth, founder and CEO of Urban Skinner X, who can share firsthand what it takes to not only scale and grow a team, but launch a successful product line with nationwide distribution in less than 10 years. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome to the show, Rachel. We're so excited to have you. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I've been a huge fan of your platform forever. So this is really extra special. Oh, yay. We love to hear that. So you launched Urban Skin RX as a direct-to-consumer brand. But since you've expanded your distribution through partnerships with massive retailers like Target and Ulta and Durham Store, 
why did you pursue a direct-to-consumer strategy initially? And how has diversifying your selling points helped you grow and scale the business today? So actually, a small correction, I started Urban Skin RX to service the clients that walked into my medical spa, you know, years ago. So that was really, there was never a DTC or retail strategy. It was to develop formulas where I thought that, you know, were missing from my client's life. I was an esthetician, you know, in the treatment room. And so that was the first focus. And then strictly through demand really was how my strategy evolved, you know, with I had celebrity clients that would post my products on their social media. I wasn't actually on social media then. And so through that, we would get phone calls, my medical spa saying, you know, we follow this person, we want to buy this product. And so that was how the DTC business developed. And then still, it was really through demand that eventually I was like, well, I never imagined being in like Target or Ulta, but I think that this could possibly happen. So that was really the story behind it. You had this Urban Skin Solutions Medical Spa in Charlotte, North Carolina. Were you just like mixing together items? How are you starting to create these different formulas? To be fully transparent, because I'm a transparent person, you know, I would say I really started Urban Skin Rx mostly off of private label formulas and like formulas that were created by different labs. Now, to be clear, my cleansing bars, which are still the most popular product we carry today, I was selling something similar to that through a different brand, actually PCA Skin. And I loved the cleansing bars that they made. They're like this different concept where you actually pour a hot liquid of soap into a jar and then goes through like a cooling tunnel and there you have this hardened soap in a jar that consumers, some consumers like go crazy over and you put it on with a little exfoliating sponge that's included. And I knew that if I wanted to only carry my own brand at my med sponsor, stop discontinuing all these other products that I had gotten my loyal clients on, that I would have to come out with, you know, something better. And I love the cleansing bars, but of course, as a passionate esthetician and ingredient guru, almost every product I used, I would always be like, but God, it'd be so amazing if it had this and this or, you know, so it was like a lot of my formulas are inspired by other brands, but by adding ingredients that I felt were missing that were key for my client's biggest concern, which is hyperpigmentation. So I custom formulated the cleansing bars, but a lot of my other SKUs, you know, were through private labeling. And I always tell people there's no shame in my game. You know, there's lots of great formulas out there. And if you are a brand new entrepreneur without a lot of capital, you can't afford to do runs of a single product of 10,000 units. So most labs, you know, they require if you're doing a custom formula, five to 10,000 units. Well, I didn't have five to 10,000 people to sell to before my product expired. So with private labeling, you are very restricted with like packaging. Some private labeling companies are like, okay, you have to use our existing packaging, but you can wrap this ugly label around it. And I've struggled with packaging for years. And a lot of it is because, you know, for years I was forced to use very limited packaging. But I can proudly say today we don't private label anymore, which has been a huge evolution for the brand. I ended up with over 40 formulas. So to be able to do all of those custom as a small self-funded business for years is something I was really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I love that advice of like, look, you know, you had the clientele, you have the expertise, 
find the, you know, the pre-made formulas that worked for you to get the brand off the ground and then get yourself to a place where you could start creating things that you want and you love. And I think that's a really smart, savvy business strategy that's, you know, specifically to your point, small self-funded businesses. It's something to consider for sure. So obviously you went from this brick and mortar, you know, medical spa to being the founder and you know CEO of a product line. So what were some of the learning curves along the way? Oh my gosh, we don't have enough time to do that. Like <laughs> it's still it's still daily. You know, my background is I'm an esthetician and I'm one of the few really good med spa managers and owners because they have like a way worse failure rate than like restaurants and bars. It's like the most flawed business structure is a med spa unless you just are a doctor that wants a little bit of treatment rooms, but a standalone one is pretty hard to do. And I was great at it, but being a CEO of, you know, overseeing supply chains and customers that aren't walking in, they're like target. And also the type of employees that I'm now employing and their amazing backgrounds, it's all, it's all very new to me. It's in very intimidating at times, you know, I'm still learning, but I'm doing a great job. And I think, you know, overall, what I'm doing a great job of is very hands-on and having a lot of touch points to always sure, always ensure that I have a pulse on everything going on. Like there's nothing going on that I really don't know about. Before we get into that, let's take a quick break to chat about one of today's sponsors, Verb. Do you know those days where you feel like your tank is running on empty? The days that you're tempted for a three o'clock coffee? Well, allow me to introduce you to Verb. Verb makes delicious 90 calorie snack bars that are gluten-free, plant-based, and have as much caffeine as an espresso. But that caffeine comes from organic green tea, meaning you get a smooth, long-lasting energy boost without any of the jitters. Whether it's a kickstart before my morning workout or a kick to my afternoon slump, I'm always reaching for one of their blueberry crisps or cookie butter bars. My favorite flavor right now. So I know personally it can be hard to keep hustling when your energy is lacking. So I've worked out a special deal for Work Party Podcast listeners. For a limited time, Verb is offering an exclusive deal. They will ship you four of their best-selling flavors for free. You just pay 95 cents for shipping. Only 95 cents. So go to verbenergy.com slash work to claim this deal. This deal is not available on their regular website and you cannot use a discount code. So be sure to go to verbenergy, V-E-R-B-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com slash work. Enjoy. So let's go back a little bit to the beginning. So you didn't necessarily set out to launch a line of skincare products, but your childhood experiences with hyperpigmentation, acne, and other skincare conditions prompted your passion for this industry. So tell us a little bit, how did solving a personal problem you were experiencing end up growing into the business that you have today? Well, I grew up feeling really bad about myself in terms of my physical appearance. It's still something that plagues me today. And I think that luckily I had a mom that was like willing to try to do whatever it took, you know, to make me feel better about myself, of course, within reason. And so I think, you know, being subjected and just having different tools at my fingertips, whether or not I was going to an esthetician, a dermatologist, like it empowered me to want to do things to make myself feel and look better. Cause I was so desperate. I was being bullied, just feeling terrible. And the way it improved my life to feel empowered that I was doing something to improve my circumstances really led me to want to help others with that. I was like 
one selfishly, if I, you know, worked around all these skin things that I could use on the weekends and like do to myself and I could like, it was just so rewarding to make others be like, gosh, I feel better about my looks. Cause when you feel bad about your looks, life is so hard. Like every aspect of your life is hard. And I know that sounds very vain, but you have to feel good about yourself to make it through this hard life. Confidence alone is important. Confidence and entrepreneurship and putting yourself out there all go hand in hand. Um, and you've done that successfully. You know, you've created this unique brand that stands out from the competition. So how do you think, you know, you've been able to take this brand, which you created in 2006, I believe. The med spa was 2006. The, the skincare line was 2010. 2010. So, I mean, we're talking 11 years. <laughs> How did you create a brand that lasts, that keeps its momentum, that keeps its relevancy? Mm, I think customers first, formulas first, like making money, of course, is important, you know, but I think having a passion to really solve their problem before the glitz and glam, before caring about some people start businesses from the end point. Like, you know what I mean? Like I want to do this and get in target. And I was just like, I want to change this customer's life. I need this formula to do what it says it's going to do and do it better than all the other formulas promising to do this. That's failing people. So I think that that's how I really have grown in success because it's all about results. It's all about the results my clients are getting. Yeah, totally. You need the product to work. Like that's first and foremost, like it can look really good. Uh, you know, it can photograph really well, but if it doesn't actually work, what are we, what are we doing? Let me just tell you, my customers have probably dealt with six packaging changes and they keep buying. Like it's been insane. It's been an area I've just struggled with so much. And it was an area I was really cheap on just, well, I was cheap in general because I had to be, but Packaging is not something you should be cheap on unless you happen to just have a, you know, graphic designer contract with that just nails it, you know, but I didn't have that. I hope none of them are listening, um, <laughs> but you know, and so it just goes to show you that even like presentation is key, especially maybe if I had started my brand today versus 10 years ago, where, as you know, social media, everything's so visual. Maybe I wouldn't be as lucky. But I think even just concentrating on the end result, even more than like, like I'm saying the glitz and glam, the packaging, the, the target, the PR, like you have to just care about your customer. And I think that's such a realistic struggle that you're sharing, you know, to your point now, it's obviously all about the look of a product, but you know, you created something that worked, you put it out there and people loved it and they didn't care. You know, if you change the packaging six times, but coming out of it on the back end now and, and, you know, looking at the packaging now and the brand, you know, it's really beautiful, really clean. What were some of the lessons you've learned along the way when it comes to packaging and design? I mean, when you do get money to invest, invest it in the right person that really specializes in packaging. It's interesting. Like, I think I have an amazing aesthetic. I think if you came to my house, you would be like, you know, she's great at decorating or I can dress cute, you know? So I was always like, why is this so damn hard for me? You know, yeah. like, I just don't get it. I just don't think I have the right resources. And I think that also on top of that, for some people that I don't think they have the best aesthetic eye, and this is terrible. Like we've all 
seeing people that were like, oh, I don't think that they know what's on trend. They know it's aesthetic. You do focus groups where you ask people who aren't, have no skin in the game. And that includes friends and family because they care about you and pleasing you to like really go into a Sephora, go into an Ulta, stand outside and be like, if you had to choose between these 10, do you mind just tell me which one you think looks the best? You know, I think that's really key too. Yeah. Oh, totally. Getting that third party opinion is so important. And to your point, good packaging is expensive and you do need to find those people, but it's obviously not the first thing you're spending money on specifically in your case, trying to find the formula that works. I don't necessarily think good packaging is expensive. I've seen people get so savvy with like cheap glass serum bottles, even wraparound labels. Like some people think you have to silk screen everything. If you don't know what that is, it means it's like the print is actually on the bottle and not like a label. But I've seen people do amazing stuff. So I think it's about hiring the right creator like the right director, like really investing in somebody that you've seen the work they do and they can map out a long like architecture of like how a brand looks and grows. And, you know, that's really important. I wish I had done that so badly. Today's episode is sponsored by Osea Malibu, the original plant-based results-driven skincare line. It's brand partners like Osea Malibu that help keep our show up and running. So I'm happy to partner with female-founded, family-operated companies to share their new Andaria Algae Body Oil. To create this one-of-a-kind oil, they soak hand-harvested Andaria Algae in barrels of oil for up to six months to give you baby-soft, silky smooth skin from head to toe. If you're looking for that post-shower perfect product, trust me when I tell you, this is it. I started using it right out of the shower and it helped me say goodbye to my dry winter skin. The Andaria Algae Body Oil quickly absorbs, leaving me glowy, not greasy, and smells incredible. Plus, the bottles make a beautiful new addition to my bathroom. Work party listeners, it's important for us to prioritize our self-care. Something as simple as adding a new product to your regimen can feel like a game changer to your already existing routine. To add one of Osea's skin nourishing products to your rotation, head to oseamalibu.com slash party and get $10 off your order of $90 when you enter party at checkout. That's oseamalibu, O-S-E-A, malibu.com slash party and code party for $10 off at checkout. Now let's get back to the interview. And I want to talk a little bit about scaling the business. So it might not seem, or it might seem obvious, but entrepreneurs need and want to grow their business, right? So scaling up isn't a goal for every business owner, but if it is, how should ambitious entrepreneurs start that process? And how do they create an action plan with realistic growth targets to achieve it? So, you know, here you are so many years later with like a bigger team, a bigger product line, all these different things. How did you learn or know how to scale when you needed to? I'm a hustler and I run myself thin and I ran a team really hard and thin for a long time. It's something I'm like trying not to do anymore because work-life balance is important. It's even more important to recruiting good talent. Plus there's so many reasons why you want your team to have work-life balance, but that just wasn't me for many years. It wasn't like I didn't have the money. And so I would push things till they couldn't literally not go anymore. I would also set up some goals, like in terms of we hit a thousand orders online a month, we will get a drop shipment company. You know, like I would kind of map out or when we hit a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, I'll stop managing it myself and answering all the DMs myself. And I will get a social media manager. 
And I don't know if they all were perfectly put into a PL to make sure I could strategically all lined up, not just like it wasn't appealing for me, but that was my history of how I did things. I relate to that too. I think, you know, again, you've been in business, well, specifically the product business for 11 years. Things have changed in the way that leadership is, the way that people run companies, the way that people approach work. Like it's completely changed. I started my first business in around 2010, 2011. It was a different world. So I totally understand where you're coming from on that. And I do think setting those little goals for yourself and and your team makes sense. And I I do hear you on the gut feeling versus the P&L of it all, because I do think that's a very founder mentality of like, okay, well, when it gets to the point where I can't do all of this on my own, I'll maybe I'll hire an accountant or if it gets to the point where, because you, you want to run so thin and so lean and so efficient because you have to. So it's hard to sort of, you know, delineate those things. And then obviously once you hit a certain threshold, implementing more of the stacked, you know, kind of workforce and team and having, you know, protocols in place. But when you're starting out and you're self-funded, you are just running at a thousand miles an hour and you just want to keep going. Let me ask you one question. When people ask you sometimes why you make the decisions you do, you know, I have felt that as founders, we aren't always the best of like the type of context that all your reports need. You know, sometimes it's a matter of, cause this is just my instincts, <laughs> you know? Um, how do you handle things like that? Have you taught yourself to always provide like great detail that they can all understand and really give them the context they need? Or do you sometimes still find yourself leaning on like, cause I just, everything in me knows that this is what we should do. I think it's a combination. I think that I brought on a really amazing COO and CFO two years ago, and she's the total opposite personality of me. She is like a banking background. She's data driven like that. She is amazing at all of those things that I am not amazing at. Like I'm good at gut feelings and going for it and being like, let's do this. Let's just go make it happen. Like let's launch a product line. Let's do it. Like And she's very like, okay, well, let's look at the cost benefit analysis and let's hire accordingly and let's figure out the long-term strategy. And I think having that push and pull has been really great for our business. But if I had that on day one, I don't think it would have worked because it would have been questioning too many things and not taking as many risks. So I think it just depends on where you're at in your business. But I don't think I'll ever change and become that person because it's just not in my DNA, as I'm sure it's not in your DNA, you know, to do that, your your ideas, your passion, you're going for it, you're taking the risks. So I, I think it just kind of depends. I'm not, that's not the way my brain works, but I think that's a good thing. And I'm, I'm sure that's not the way your brain works. And that's probably a good thing for your business too. Yeah, no, I always feel like, you know, my company this is an amazing stat um, that I'm so, it blows me away. So 14 months ago, we were 16 or 17. And as of yesterday, we're 51. And that was just like, I think for me now having so many amazing people that are making my business go around, like the pressure on my CEO skills are just like, that is the biggest problem in my life is, you know, I feel like I'm the right CEO for the brand, but at the same time, just converting from a founder to a true CEO is the hardest thing I've ever done my whole life. It's actually been harder than creating the brand because the brand came so natural to me. You know, it was just like, I don't know. It was just something I did. It was an extension of you. Yeah, it was, you know, but being a CEO is so damn hard. It's hard for me. 
Totally. First of all, 51 employees, congratulations. That's massive. And that is a huge change. I mean, going from 10 employees to 15 employees feels like a big change. So going from 17 to 51 is crazy. But I think that's also, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on female founders, right? But founders and CEOs are two totally different things, two totally different jobs. And I think oftentimes they go hand in hand. Like I'm a founder and a CEO, you're a founder and a CEO. But where I excel is definitely in in the founder role, right? Where I, I live and breathe the brand. I've done all the things. I understand all those things. Can I run a PL and run a tight company? Of course. Is it what my goal and passion is? <laughs> Not really, you know? So you kind of get to this place where you're figuring out both roles, learning as you go, but then you got to bring in the people around you to really help you bring it to the next level. So let's talk a little bit about supply chain, which is a really sexy topic. Um, But everyone, you know, especially when people are starting product lines and, and all of those different things, establishing and maintaining a solid supply chain is crucial when it comes to scaling a product based business. Can you share some learnings with us? Like, so how did you find and identify the manufacturers and distributors you work with? And did you face any challenges along the way? Oh yeah, I've faced a lot of challenges, but I've always found them through consultants and employees, which I think is good. You know, you want somebody who knows the reputation of that manufacturer um, because reputation is, is key, especially after the things I've gone through. I mean, it's just crazy what, can happen, you know, in terms of people not holding up their ends of the bargain timing, like you can have so much on the line with the launch, not even to your DTC customer, but a retailer. And, you know, you're in the hands of this lab, this manufacturer and so many components shipping and, you know, a shipping surrogate and raw goods. And I mean, it all has to come together at the right moment to ship on time. Plus you want somebody who will grow with you. And it's really important to go into relationships with outlining long-term structures so that you're not at a place where you're stuck in a certain price, you know, regardless of how your brand is growing, you want to map all that out beforehand, you know, it can make or break you. But I would say because I'm more marketer brand formulas from an ideation standpoint, like the supply chain, I've really relied more on a contractor who became my COO. And he's somebody who, you know, has been amazing. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for him. I'm going to interrupt today's interview quickly to have a brief moment to talk about fertility. Knowledge is power. And when you know more, you can make better decisions for your body, your health, and your future. There aren't many decisions bigger than having a kid, but for many women, their fertility is a huge question mark. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. You'll also get insights into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deeper into what every hormone means. And you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and get options on your next steps. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash party. That's modernfertility.com slash party. 
And that means the test will cost $139 instead of hundreds or thousands of dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash party. That's modernfertility.com slash party. So let's get a little bit into advice and, you know, kind of the beauty industry in general. So diversity is not an attribute of a business. It's imperative. You use your business platforms to push culture forward and make diversity a priority, not an afterthought. And you're very transparent about the racial demographics of your team. So how are you seeing your business inspire others firsthand, specifically in the beauty and self-care industry? And what do you hope to achieve? I'm not really watching so much what everybody's doing. I definitely watched... Sharon from, you know, pull up our shut up campaign. And I thought it was brilliant because, you know, pressure grows with numbers, you know? And so it's just like that natural instinct of, well, everybody's doing it. I got to do it. You know, you don't want to be the one person not doing it. So just from a strategic standpoint, I think being transparent about your mission, posting your numbers, showing where you aren't doing as well and want to do better, I think makes other brands feel that they have to do the same thing. And that's how you make a real change. Luckily, I've had great, great numbers, but it still is something that I want to continue to improve, especially with, you know, the focus on leadership. We now have a board of directors. You know, I did take an investment in the last year and a half into my company. And so, you know, ensuring that that's diverse is really important to me. You know, when it comes to building out the leadership team and being transparent about all those different things, to your point, super important. And also to talk about where you need improvement as well. So let's talk a little bit um, about the money that you raised. So you, you said you brought on investment in the past year or so. What was that process like? And what are you hoping to do? Or what are the goals for the company long term? You know, it was really interesting that journey. I think I'd reached a point where I had worked for almost 14 years. And, you know, I started this at 26. The company was at a place where it was worth something. And I come from kind of like my parents are Jewish and they're lawyers and they're warriors and just ingrained, always like worst case scenario coming from a legal family. So I'm like, you know, maybe it is time for me to get some of the money that I've worked so hard for just in case, you know, and then also it was, I do need help. I need strategic help. And it was at a point where I could think of how some significant spending could move my company along. And because like I said, I had worked so hard for so many years, I really didn't want to take my own money and do a lot of other big investments into the brand. Does that, does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And I think that's really important is also thinking about, I mean, like you said, you've been working for over a decade on this brand, self-funding it, building it, growing it, and it had this value and being able to, you know, bring on that third party, those resources to scale, grow, hopefully build some liquidity for yourself longer term is so important. And I think oftentimes female founders struggle to give up that piece of their business and, and it makes total sense why you did it. And obviously, you know, the brand has grown tremendously from your own efforts, but now on, you know, a new chapter. Ask me how I feel about it now though, because the key question is always, well, after you did it, how do you feel yeah. about the decision well, you made? Yes. Where are you at now? Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> um, I can only say so much. Like this is what I say. I, it's been also one of the craziest things, you know, 
after having been a sole owner for so many years, you know, they're like bosses to a degree. And that has been a transition. Luckily, I was at the most mature spot in my life. Like I think even three or four years ago, I couldn't have handled it. You know, now I know how to like pick my battles because everything could be a battle for me not doing exactly to the T what I want to do. And now I can't do to the T what I want to do, you know, but I've learned how to just be a, a really mature partner. And through that partnership, because they are really good people, like they're not shady private equity people. They're good people. They have different ideas than me, you know, and they've never done beauty before. So it's, you know, definitely an educational process, but it's been interesting. It's been interesting, but the most important thing is it's obviously been a good thing because the brand has grown so much since they have come on board. Let's take a minute to shout out one of our sponsors, Bev's. It's no secret that over here at Work Party, we're champions for female founded and run businesses. And Bev is a female first canned wine brand that was founded to change not only the way a product is consumed, but the way an industry and culture have operated for generations. Dry, crisp, and the perfect amount of fizzy, Bev offers four varietals, Rosé, Sav Blanc, Pinot Gris, and Pinot Noir. I've personally fallen in love with the rosé and the sparkling. It's amazing, guilt-free because each serving has zero sugar, 100 calories, and only three carbs. Plus, the cans are really cute and tiny and available in four packs, perfect for gifting or social distance hang. I couldn't fall in love with the product and not be able to hook you guys up, so we've worked out an exclusive deal for our Work Party podcast listeners. Receive 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on all orders. I suggest trying the best-selling Ladies' Night variety pack so you can check out all the delicious varietals. Go to drinkbev.com slash party or use code party at checkout and claim this deal. That's drinkbev, D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V dot com slash party. Cheers. I know a lot of women who have either been acquired or sold their company or done private equity or or did uh, venture capital. And to your point, especially coming from self-funding for so many years, it's, it's it's a transition period. It's a total transition period of like your role and what you're doing and where you want the company to go. So, I mean, it sounds like it's going well. So that's great. And obviously you've seen such great success. You have this multi-million dollar business that keeps growing year over year. So that's amazing. So if you look back, you know, you know, all these years later with the knowledge that you have now, what advice would you give yourself? I was very like, so focused on marketing and creative and R&D that I don't think I was always the most well-rounded founder. And even though like as a brand grows, you have COOs and CFOs, you still, especially before those things, you want to try to be as well-rounded as possible. And the things that don't come natural to you, don't shy away from them, like embrace them even more. So in my thing was more like processes and structure. I'm creative. I have like ADD. So things like that are not second nature to me. I have like 1200 unread text messages on my phone right now. Um, That's probably my best advice I have. I mean, I have so much I could give, but I I don't, I don't know. We only have so much time. No, totally. I mean, I I totally understand. I'm, I'm definitely not a processes person either. And getting that implemented into the business was a game changer. But I think at the end of the day, you can't be so hard on yourself about like, you know, I'm the same exact way though. I, I look back and I'm like, oh man, like when I was first running the business, I was just running so fast. Like you don't, and you think everyone else is like on board with that. And you're like, let's go, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And cause it's your company and your vision, you're moving a thousand miles an hour. And then you realize like, these are employees, like they don't have the same necessarily like 
vision and passion and energy of what you're doing towards your business. And, and sometimes you learn that lesson going down the road. And, and there's a ton that you learn as a founder, especially for me, even being a first time founder, my first business, I learned a lot of lessons building that business before I sold it. And then obviously brought a different perspective into create and cultivate and still learn a million things a day. We're going to wrap with some rapid fire questions, but I guess long-term, you know, are there any new launches coming out for, you know, Urban Skin? Are there any new exciting things you're working on? Yes. So much exciting stuff. So Urban Skin RX is two collections where this affordable Urban Skin RX brand that you can find at like Target, Walmart, even um, Ulta on the mass side, but our pro strength prestige collection, which is more advanced strength formulas, just recently launched at Ulta and that had been a DTC and med spa only brand. So that's really exciting to be one of the first brands that's on both sides of Ulta, their prestige side and their mass side. Some formulas that are being added to that line are very, very cutting, cutting edge, which has been really important to me as just, you know, wanting to be at the forefront of hyperpigmentation and we might have something in store coming for men as well. So yeah, just really excited about a lot of things. Oh, I love that. Very exciting. Okay. So let's do some rapid fire sentence finishers. The three qualities that got me to where I am today are agility, loyalty, and tenaciousness. A fellow female entrepreneur I admire is Catherine Powers. Success to me means never giving up. Mm. And my best career advice in two words or less is only winners. <laughs> that was a hard one. I, I, that's a new one that we're adding in. So great job on that. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. This was amazing. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online and Urban Skin RX? Well, the most important place to, place to go is at Urban SkinRx on Instagram or UrbanSkinRx.com. And if you want to follow my life, you can find me on Instagram at, at UrbanSkinFounder. Love it. Thank you so much. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.